It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you send money to your loved ones internationally, do it with the Western Union app. Once you've downloaded it, you can send money around the world or back home in just a few taps, so family and friends can pick up cash fast. Download the Western Union app and send money today. Western Union. Fast, easy, reliable. Offered by Western Union Financial Services, Inc., NMLS 906983, or Western Union International Services, LLC, NMLS 906985. Terms apply. Just before we do get going this week, we would like to point you all in the direction of our new partners over at Pitch Football. On the Pitch Football app, you'll be able to make predictions and rate the Everton squad and performances and interact with ourselves as well through the fan time feature. That's where we record our thoughts on the team at the moment, get a video out to you guys and you can respond and we'll share them through our social channels. It's dead easy and it's free as well. So remember to get your predictions in on the Pitch Football app for the upcoming Everton fixture and download by searching Pitch Football app where you can get all of your latest Everton news. Thanks very much for listening to that message. Here's the rest of your podcast. Here's the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. Everton are back soon on Sunday. They play Arsenal at the Emirates Stadium. It's suddenly a very big game given developments over the last few days, but crucial developments at the start of the show today. Hannah and Dave join me. And Dave dropped a fire extinguisher on his toe <laughs> just as we were about to start recording. Uh, not the best start, Dave, you've got to say. No, it's not. I haven't put any weight on it yet either, so uh, I might have to find some implements to take out with me to help me get to my car. It could be one of them where you're uh, like like a bad injury in footy where the next day your hurts more than... Yeah, it'll just swell up overnight or something like that. Yeah, it was the spiky bit at the top mm. as well, you know, where you pull... <laughs> pull I don't even know why I'm doing that sign. Makes uh, great radio. Yeah. No, you know when you pull the trigger, it's like a yeah little a handle, trigger. so you can shoot the foam and um, Yeah, that was the bit that connected with the top of my toe. So uh, we'll see what that's like in, in about half an hour's time. Brilliant stuff, Hannah. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah. Wonderful, Stars. wonderful. Have we enjoyed the the break or not? No, for the how first do you think, time. How do you think it's worked? The the staggered into. You know, I think it's been better staggered than just having a complete break with no one playing. Mm. It's kept a bit of interest alive, especially because it's so tight. The table, you are interested in who's playing because it affects you. Mm. So I haven't been that 
gutters, I wouldn't say. No, the, the game week thing you get used to, don't you? Because there's always footy on now. Yeah. So that was a bit crap, but the um, the games themselves that were on, the way they've staggered them, the fixtures weren't exactly great. I mean, I'm looking forward mostly, I think, to tonight. The, yeah. Uh, well, we're recording this on Monday. On. Yeah. We're recording this on Monday. Sorry, yeah. Uh, <laughs> two, two days early this week. Two yeah. yeah. oh, yeah. I've been doing this for 10 years. Yeah. Um, the United Chelsea game. Uh, as you'll know the result now listening to this <laughs> that's the one that I was looking forward to most it might well have been a damn squib yeah. by the we could time do, we, could do, we could do a little what a win for yeah insert yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do, do it really badly to make yeah. it obvious oh what a goal from that player from yeah. that team yeah. but saying this before the game it's a really big game in the yeah. fortunes of our season as was uh, Spurs getting the last minute winner yeah. I'm, I'm starting to look at these things already which is a bit maybe premature given the run of fixtures we've got coming up but if you look at that Sheffield United Bournemouth game Bournemouth took the lead we'd have done well it would have been really good for us if Sheffield United had dropped points in that one Spurs similarly as well um, probably catapulted themselves into being the joint favourites with Chelsea for fourth so that makes the loser of that particular battle fifth at the moment mm. uh, given City's predicaments which obviously we'll go on to talk about I, I don't believe I know Sky have made a big deal of this but I don't believe um, fifth will get in the Champions League anyway next season because there's two two ways of that uh, two reasons for that I think City might well get it overturned or get a suspended ban in the Champions League saying that if they were to do it again and breach these rules or are found guilty of anything else then they will be banned that's the first trailer thought I've got on the second it one it seems is, though they're briefing a lot of the reliable journalists that they think they're going to be alright in regards to us and obviously Guardiola's come out as Ian said, that I'm going to be here, you know, regardless of what happens, maybe safe in the knowledge that he knows what's, what's going to happen in that regard. And if you're even more cynical than that, Matt, you look at the actual ban from UEFA, they've never done anything like this before, mm. making City out to be guinea pigs in that regard. Maybe they're just doing it to try and save a bit of face themselves and, and pretty much saying, look, we need to show that we're not a toothless organisation when it comes to these things. But there's every chance City, if you appeal it'll just end up being a slap on the wrist and, and that big fine that they've got to pay. Um, and the second trailer thought I've got as well is if they do appeal, they're allowed in the competition as long as there's been no decision on it. I can't see this all being, being rectified in the next three or four months. I don't think these things happen that quickly with the Court of Arbitration for Sport. I think as well they've got one more step if that bid fails, if that appeal fails, they're, they're able to go to another governing body and able to appeal to them as well. So we could be tied up in legal situations for several months to come. I don't think that's going to stretch to, to August. Also, if they were to win it, it'd be really funny. <laughs> Do you not oh, think? yeah, I didn't think of that, actually, yeah. yeah. If they win it, they go in it as defending champions anyway, which is the law that was created by ourselves <laughs> when we finished fifth, eh, fourth that season, yeah. Liverpool got in in fifth in 4 5 but they still won't be allowed in would they, if, if this no. was upheld because I, they've excluded I, I, from all your way for competitions. But I do feel as if, in maybe in, in a non-sort of literal way, it gives them much more gravitas in the situation to be able to say we're the defending champions in this competition. It looks even worse if you're battling. Yeah, now. it helps their case. Do you know well. what I mean? So I, I think that that is a big factor. So all in all, look outside chance of fourth. In, in our situation I still think we'd have to go some to achieve that we play all the sides that are between us and that fourth mm-hmm. position of course including Chelsea away Arsenal who uh, look like they're finally getting their act together under Arteta that'll be a huge game also play United so there's a lot to play for there's head to heads for us they've never in my lifetime fallen on our side <laughs> so I'm, I'm still um, mm. dubious as to whether we can do that 
So I, I think Europa League will probably go, go down to at least sixth, possibly seventh. There's no reason why we can't get in one of those positions. Hmm. Everton are eighth at the moment, Hannah, and they, you know, as Dave said there, it's it's remarkable that we're in a situation now where we're looking at results and if go back a few weeks and we would have been watching that Sheffield United-Bournemouth game saying, come on, Sheffield United. We would have been watching that Tottenham-Villa game going, come on, Spurs. It's very yeah. much flipped on its head now, hasn't it? And I suppose there's not, not much else to say about it, really. And it's just It's just a nice feeling to be in this position where... You know, we're sat here in mid-February. The season doesn't feel like it's completely over like it was last year. There's still something for these lads to play for. Yeah, we've went from one extreme to the other. <laughs> I'd be like, oh my God, we're going to be in a relegation battle. Oh, everyone gusses. So now being like, oh, we're sitting like a bit comfortably here. And everyone's saying, oh, it's another season done. Like before Christmas, but now it's actually no. There's like something to play for. Even though I will still say I don't want European football. Oh, I had this chat for you had last week yeah, on subs. Yeah, sorry, I'm not here. I don't <laughs> want it. I think give it another season. I'm all for us doing great and having a great spell under Ancelotti, but I just don't think it's the right time. Mm. But yeah. But, oh, I've lost my train of thought completely. Well, I think your head's spinning after you. 40 euro, making your head spin. You know, <laughs> I know. I just, I think everyone's getting ahead of themselves. I am enjoying being in this position and it's great. And it's such a polar opposite. That's such an Everton thing to be talking about relegation yeah. than to be talking about yeah. Europe. And it's great. But I just don't think it's the best thing. If it does drop down to like seven play for something because of all the city stuff, then that's great. But I can't see us getting above other teams for it and I don't think we've got the team or the squad even to be doing that so it's not the first thing on my mind at the minute and it takes me back that day to something you were saying towards the back end of last season when the team were putting together good results against Chelsea Arsenal United they finished the season really strongly at home and it was all great at the time we loved beating United 4-0 we loved beating Chelsea but one of the things that you said was that well it's all well and good doing this when there's no pressure on mm-hmm. when mid-table you know it, it's yeah. it's sound and I suppose in some respects you could, if we're being cynical about this, people might be screaming at us for being negative here. If we're being cynical about this, you could say Everton's best run of form of the season, which has been recently, has come when they're quite comfortable on the table. They're out the relegation battle. They're about, you know, between 12 and 8th place over the last few weeks. And they've just been ticking along, getting good results. Now, you look at the Arsenal game at the weekend, where there's a real chance for them to show what they're about and show some, you know, real strength and mentality and character. This is where the crunch really comes, isn't it? And this is where this team probably shows what they are all about. Well, it's only ever folded as far as we've known. That, that's why I was saying that back then. This feels a little bit different um, for the fact that we have the manager that we all wanted and everybody's conclusively to a man and woman behind. Uh, and that feels a little a lot different than thinking, OK, well, we've got on a good run under Marco Silva. He's got no experiences in beating these teams, so why would it happen? Why? But when you've got someone like Ancelotti there, he's the the X factor in all of this, isn't he? He's the person that's going to achieve things. We hope that we haven't gone on to do mm. before. So that that gives you look. It's not not a tangible thing, but it's it does give you hope and confidence that you can go there and do it. The second thing is we've won high pressure games in as much as they've. And the chance to get in a situation now where these games coming up can be decisive for them. And, mm, and I yeah. think that, that takes a lot, I think, um, because last season when we did that and we had that run towards the end, I think the saving grace in it uh, in regards to our confidence coming out from that is that there was still plenty to play for for the sides we were playing against. Nonetheless, they all came at Goodison. The away thing's a massive bugbear of us all, isn't it? We've, we've been decades against some of these teams yeah. without picking up a result away from home. Um, the, the the two games out the four coming up 
I don't think Arsenal should particularly be regarded as a difficult game in the same way as we treat it in previous seasons. Yes, they've just gone and battered Newcastle 4 0. Newcastle, Steve Bruce was close to fielding himself in that game. <laughs> they, they, they've got that many injuries at the moment, and he's always. Banged. And they weren't done it, I think 4 0 flattered them a lot. Didn't yeah, they? did. And they're, yeah. Always, they're always banging on about uh, Newcastle, always banging on about this winter break. And he, he was saying yesterday they should axe one of the cup competitions or make the season shorter just so they can accommodate players who are tired. What a nonsense. And he, he's vindicated, of course, isn't he? He's not soft. He's vindicated by that poor result. Nonetheless, I, I don't think Arsenal any great shakes. That was their first win since New Year's Day. It was only the seventh win of the season and we're nearly in March, which I find incredible. They're only just in the top half. We should be going to that game thinking we'll win this. Genuinely winning it, though. Not in the, oh, we should have a bit of confidence because we're on a good run. We should be going there thinking these are these are right for the taking here. Um, and then you, you look at the games that followed that. United at home, I expect us to win. Mm. Um, and I've not felt that confidence in a long time, even though United were on the backside last season mm. when we beat them 4-0. It still feels as if it's a, it's a bit of a coup. It's a bit of a shock for us to do that. I would actually put us favourites in that game. Yeah, Chelsea away, probably the toughest. Well, we've got Liverpool at home, haven't we? But the toughest of them all is that Chelsea away game. Liverpool is a different matter simply because... Look, there's every, there's, there's, every, there's every chance that they can lift the title if they beat us. Uh. Um, that that's a different mindset for that one, which you probably treat in isolation, possibly as a bit of a cup tie. Well, if Everton are going for a top four place, then there should be no reason why. You know, people. There's obviously been a lot of talk about selling your tickets and do you want to go and experience that sort of thing. But if, if Everton are a fifth or sixth on the table, and they're the three points off fifth, and you know City's appeal's not been done yet, or you know the, the five points off fourth place, it should be should be an absolute bear pit. But well, it should. Because... I'm sure we'll cross that, that bridge when we come to it. But well, you've got it's... double the excuse then, haven't you? You, you want to stop them? Yeah, of course. You yeah. want to be the first side yeah. that beats them, probably. You know, there's all sorts of connotations yeah. and, and that's, prizes yeah. on offer for I mean, Everton that, to win that, that game. That's a long way down the line, still, yeah. But I think, I think, kind of that Angelotti has probably done quite well at getting rid of some of these Everton that traits that we've, you know inherited down the years. You look at that Watford game and you think Everton don't usually win games like that. And you look at the Palace game and think, well, when Everton do win games like that, they tend to draw the next one when they should win. And we've just sort of gone along and it's been quite nice. But I think for, for any manager to come in and sort of get us to shed this skin of Evertonian you know, failure and things <laughs> going wrong and that sort of thing, it feels like it's these sort of games. And I mean the Arsenal one and the Chelsea one where you look at it and go, we haven't won at Arsenal since, is it 95, 96, Dave? Something like that. You know, we're doing a feature on the 94, 95 season at the moment. That's what when, you know. when, when Joe came in. And poor Rydell scoring at Chelsea was the last time he beat them. In, 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 you know, all, all that time ago. But if it, going back to what I was saying, it feels as though to fully eradicate this Everton that trade... Going to these sorts of grounds and getting results is, is going to be vital for him. Yeah, we need to go and prove ourselves. Mm. And I think it says a lot if we're going into like the Arsenal game, United game, above them in the table. That's not a regular thing for us yeah. to be going at this um, time of the season. Point, yeah. So obviously we've got to go in with a bit of confidence, but it is that thing. I think we're really bad at just to, like levering ourselves on anyway, <laughs> just acting as if we're not with them clubs. But if that's what we're aiming for and that's what the manager's been brought mm. in for, saying you need to be putting yourself in this category then it's working but if, like you just got to compare it to how we were all feeling in December to now and it wasn't an overnight fix everyone it wasn't he came in and we were having like absolute worldies of games mm. he's just been building it and building it using every player he can fully building the team and it's just amazing to watch to be honest I'm amazed up that he hasn't just came in and it was all all, all pressure we've yeah. been given time to see what players he's got and these results that are coming through everything's just comfortable yeah now yeah 
I think it's that. That's a great point, actually, Dave, isn't it? Because. He has used everyone so far, hasn't he? You know, you look to people like Michael Keane over the last few weeks, and you know, we had a few cameos early on in Angelotti's tenure, and you thought this lad doesn't look long for this football club anymore. But he, he, he drafted him into the side unexpectedly um, in the game against um, Palace, wasn't he? Did he start that one? Yeah, he did. The Neem and Mina at the back for that. You know, he's brought Coleman in at times. He's brought Walcott in from the cold. He's rotated at Wobie and Bernard. He started Keane on, on occasions as well. You know, the midfielders have all had a go over the last few weeks. I, I can't imagine there'll be anyone returning to Finch Farm this week starting training and building up for this Arsenal game and thinking I'm, I'm completely out the running to play in this game which is probably good for, for morale and good for you know that competitive edge around the place it's an it's an excellent point I think because you you generally know what your best 11 is don't you we don't because the, we've all viewed them at some point as all being pretty, <laughs> pretty crap haven't we so yeah. it, it's nice for Ancelotti but he doesn't seem to um, be too fussed on who it is he just puts the job firstly and then it's, I'm sure this thinking process is who, who can best execute yeah. what I want yeah. to do on this pitch rather than thinking, oh God, I couldn't possibly drop Mason Holdate. I couldn't possibly drop um, Schneiderlin, who's, who's come into a little bit of a, a run of form two games. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're all given nuts of us. <laughs> yeah, we, we, got, we got hammered. Oh yeah, you got hammered last week uh, for that, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> and, which was quite random because I sort of get why he said it because we said a lot of nice things about Morgan Schneiderlin, but... Uh, I think two out of the three of us were saying, I think I was the only one who said I'd probably keep him for next season with his hand and Paddy were like, you've done nowhere near enough to earn that praise. No, he's yeah. only had three weeks. So, so, yeah, that, wasn't, that wasn't a conclusive Blue Room uh, yeah. ideology. But, the Blue Room says. Yeah, there was, there was, it wasn't really that, just to defend uh, the, the points. Yeah, yeah. Well, not myself, you two. Um, and yeah, I think you look at the, the squad we have and... He's still. I think he's treating this as an educational process for himself. Absolutely, really, yeah. finding out who's the best players for what position, who he wants to keep, who he wants to sell, and somehow, uh, and which is notoriously difficult, keeping everybody happy at the same time. I mean, I I, I don't look at any of them and think you're not playing for this manager. I don't look at any of them and think you're sulking. He seems to have this sort of serenity about how everything's everyone's going about their business. You look at some of the the videos, which again can be used for propaganda purposes by the club itself mm. when they put out them all having a laugh in training when really, you know, they all just really don't want to play for us anymore. <laughs> uh, they're great at doing that, but there's an actual belief that this is this is the actual scenario there now. There's no winning of hearts and minds here. He's got them exactly how he wants them. He's got yeah. the environment how he wants it. Uh, it. It feels as if we'll be having this conversation towards the end of the season or after the last game when we do a season review and we normally go into the summer with the same old platitudes thinking... We just need to add a few more players. Like at the end of last season, a few more players will challenge for the top four. A few more players will do this. Get the recruitment right and we'll be up there. All that sort of thing. I think we're edging towards that conversation now with genuine, tangible belief that we can do this simply because of results, performances and the effect that this man has had at the club. I can't think of a time when that's been the case. And we do get caught up in the hyperbole of that. Mm. When you edge towards the end of the season, if you have a positive end to a season, you're like, oh, I can't wait for it to start again. We'll take momentum into the summer. Biggest fallacy that ever is. It doesn't matter whatsoever because you've got three months of, you know, players yeah. taking bicycles yeah. up mountains in, in Austria. <laughs> uh, three months in Umani ass playing friendlies. The <laughs> momentum's well and truly lost by the time you get to the start of the season. The feel good factor is always there, uh, but it feels like we have something now to supplement that. And regardless of how we finish this season, it feels to me like it's a very exciting time, provided we can get the re- recruitment right which there's no reason to suggest we wouldn't now because he's going to be going to be leading that. It's the first time we've got someone in place, I think, and pretty factual actually, since Marcel Brands has been here, 
it's the first time you look at that dynamic and think he's not the senior role in that. Mm. And Salotti yeah. will be the final say, um, which rightly or wrongly should be the case in a director of football relationship. But it keeps brands on his toes as well. So mm. it's really positive right now. Whether we get in Europe, whether we don't, I think at the end of this season feels as if it's going to be important. It feels as if we've got something to play for. You messaged me the other day, didn't you, in terms of a content yeah, perspective yeah. from us, saying, oh, it'd be nice not to be looking at doing loads of features for the summer when we're still playing the season. <laughs> at the end of March and early April, open for yeah. uh, Who can decent, we interview you? <laughs> performances and throwaway games and wishing yeah. that your season's finished and all that. Um, it's, it'll be interesting to see how far we can go. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, after the break, we'll have a chat about Andre Gomez. We'll focus on the Arsenal game in a little bit more detail. And, of course, we will talk about Tom and Dom, who took NYC <laughs> by storm last week. Uh, this is the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. We are back on the Blue Room here on Radio City Talk. I got carried away by Dave dropping his fire extinguisher. Didn't say what's coming up in the rest of the show. Let's speak to James Benj about Arsenal. We'll have a segment of that. We'll also have a segment from our upcoming series, which is called Seasons. And we're going to be looking back at the 94-95 season, as I said. Uh, for our first one, I'll feature Joe Royal, Gav Buckland, Dave Prentice. Loads, loads more as well, looking back at the campaign. But debate was raging there, as you probably heard, as we came back on air about uh, Dom and Tom in NYC. Uh, Hannah, big fan. Very Dave, big fan. Dave, not so much it big like fan. like Gokhwan versus Trini and Susanna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, especially the big fan of Dom's blue velvet suit. Hannah. I think and he you, looks you great. revealed you've got one yourself? Yes, I've got a blue velvet suit, and I think he looks great. I don't see the problem. Okay, I have... Like an actual suit, though, like a like a, a blazer. Yeah. And like velvet kecks. Yeah, I've got a bl- blue velvet suit. Do you not stick to walls and stuff? No, <laughs> no, it just looks nice. But he looks boss. I haven't got time for the purple boots. That's the only thing on Tom. So they're Toms, yeah. The only thing I like on Tom. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like a Joker. I think they both look great. Even the little satchel bag, everything. They look cool. Hmm. No, yeah, I, I, I agree. I totally. I mean, just just on the blue velvet suit. Yeah. What like occasion do you wear that? Is it like going out in town or? No, like I don't know. Maybe going to a gig, some food. I don't Sitting know. In the dark. <laughs> sure. I feel like that's something you wear if you were on holiday. If you want to look good and stand out, he's a Premier League player. He wants to stand out. I think he looks boss. Especially if you're going to New York. Yeah, yeah. He's going to Fashion Week, and that's how you stand out. Is that what he actually went to, Fashion Week? Yeah, because yeah, they've been you. photographed and it says, like, soccer player and, like, has the name in that. Well, so I want to <laughs> say a disclaimer before I have my say on this because... I saw you getting into a few scraps on Twitter yeah, about this last week, yeah. Dave, yeah. Simply because I don't care what these lads wear. I don't care. But if you ask me... If you ask me... No. <laughs> but if you ask my personal opinion on what they're wearing, I shall give a very forthright <laughs> answer. But... When people where people are kicking off about this is people having a go at what they're wearing. I don't I don't want that. I don't I'm no advocate of that. I don't personally care what they go around and you can walk around in bin bags if they want, you can walk around in Liverpool tops if they want. As long as they're doing the business for us on the pitch, I don't care. But when someone says to me, What do you think of this outfit? I will say what I think about it. And I think the- <laughs> are there so any- what do you think? <laughs> are there any you do like? <laughs> Well, from the ones that are on show yeah, here. So just, show, again, yeah. not great radio, but we've obviously got Tom's dressing gown, blue uh, purple <laughs> shoes look. Uh, Dom's I mean, I'm got, like... a fan of a dressing gown. Strolling <laughs> <laughs> around the streets of New York. Dom's got his big collar there and, you know... I can get on board with that. Mismatch blazer and, and pants. If that's the type of look you've got, I would describe as, I've had a decent night out. 
of untuck my shirt and look like a bit of a scruff. No, yeah, about five o'clock at a wedding. He looks yeah. cool. <laughs> we'll find that out, won't we? <laughs> yeah. as well. uh, that was her dom in the stripey suit. Um, the bag looks great. Red shoes, <laughs> gotta go. Red shoes, oh yeah, cop eyes. Is that, hang on, is that, no, not because of that, they just look embarrassing with that suit. But is that a Louis Vuitton bag as well? Let's have a look. It is, uh, yeah, yeah, the Louis yeah, Vuitton is, satchel. Yeah, there we See, go. See, I'm up with the fashion, but no. So, there we go. That looks did he have a hat on on that one? He did, yeah. yeah it's like a Stone Roses bucket hat, yeah. It looks great. He's ticked all the boxes. Yeah, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Well, we all know the proverbial hit the fan when they start playing poorly. <laughs> you want to spend more time. <laughs> that is the thing. <laughs> if you play poorly Arsenal, you know what's going to be said, don't yeah. you? You do know what's going to be said. Spend less time in the catalogue and more time on the training <laughs> pitch. I like. I like. Again, not yeah. my view, but uh, yeah, it's not it's not my cup of tea. I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty outrageous dresser sometimes as well. I mean, I do if, like I do like the bazaar. If Everton <laughs> qualify for the Champions League this season, can we get you in a blue velvet <gasps> suit doing the show? And we'll have with it on purple my cam. boots, yeah, with purple, with purple, purple, um, whatever. Yeah, shoes I'll I'll try my best to copy what they've worn in and every si- single part. Oh, we can re- recreate them, <laughs> recreate the, the photos. So I'll start the show in the dressing. You and, you and Hannah can recreate them. Yeah. But I'll start the show in anyway. the dressing gown. Yeah. And it's a bit of a size distortion as well, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you'd have to stand really close to the camera and I'll stand really far if back. Got, like if if anyone out there has got blue velvet suits or uh, dressing gowns we can borrow for the this end of season photo shoot. Purple boots. Yeah, I do go. like them purple boots and I like that he did hang them on the wall. Yeah, was it that a was show like of early. defiance, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, you know, up yours type of thing. You can tell it's been a break. <laughs> yeah, but it's all a bit of a break. That's as well, you know. <laughs> but people seem to get really tied up in whether, you know, you, you like it. People seem to be annoyed if people like it. And people seem to be annoyed with people who don't like it. Yeah, and I'm like, all right, it. fine. Rip it if you want for this fashion sense and talk about what they're wearing and be embarrassed by it. Mo- Moise Keane, by the way, he's got a lot to answer for too. He's got away with it a bit, hasn't he? With oh, those kecks he had on, yeah. Because he's in Miami, just chilling. But he Did seems to be walking around. I haven't seen these kecks. He seems to be walking around with like a Mega Drive as well instead of a bag <laughs> over his shoulder. You won't even know what a Mega just Drive in case is. He fancies a game of Sonic. No. You, 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 I know it's a game console. Oh, there you go. <laughs> At least you've heard of something. Um, <laughs> but the, when you get to these two. Uh, it just seems to me like some people just want to shout and scream whether they think it's right. Some people want to shout and scream because other people think it's right. Well, Sky Is made it... a big thing of it as well, didn't yeah. they? Because there was nothing going on. It was such a big deal. Well, that's why I said on that particular tweet, look, just bring back some footy, please, <laughs> so we can all get on with it. All right, we'll move on to footy then. Like I say, I've got no issues with it. You dress Absolutely like that, fine. that's why. No, no, I don't. So it's Matt's wedding on Friday, yeah. Blue suits. I'm providing he gets married. I'm starting to think now. I might have <laughs> made the wrong choice. <laughs> <laughs> Should have gone blue velvet. Providing he, he, he purple he, shoes. <laughs> providing his uh, his lovely wife to be doesn't have any objections before then he will get married on Friday, um, and I'll guarantee you right now it'll be a really out there suit. It's not. His hair is going to be a spectacle as well. Have cup. you decided what you're doing yet? No, I've had a cup this weekend though. So. Well, see, no I, I didn't even notice this, that. Right? <laughs> no, no one wants to hear about this. Go on, go on, carry on. Andre Gomez played a behind closed door game, Dave. Oh, first of all, did we all watch that video of him driving the two oh, young lads lovely. to the ground? Oh, Our boss was that. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's he seems like quite the fella. Um, yeah, because that's a few things down the past few weeks that yeah. he's done like that. He's doing another hugger fun, isn't he? As well, I've seen that. The, I don't know if you noticed, but at the start of that video, it's his own company 
in association with yeah, Everton as well. Yeah. So he's, he's clearly endorsing his own brand. He, which did, is... he did one last year as well, didn't he? Before his low finish, where he yeah. went out, he met people at the store and gave like shirts out and stuff. Yeah, yeah. his logo's great, isn't yeah. it? Have you seen it? The yeah, Andre Gomez logo, I really like that. Wonder if you yeah. do some videos for us. No, I was going to say, <laughs> get us a designer for some extra logos. Yeah, um, but on a more serious note, Hannah, I played sixty minutes of a behind closed friendly, behind closed doors friendly involving players from Everton's first team and members of the under twenty three side of Finch Farm. I suppose we are a bit short in midfield, obviously at the moment, but and this is all very exciting. But you still hope the club just sort of ease him slowly back in. There's no, doesn't feel like there's a major rush at the moment to get him back on the side. No, there doesn't. But the fact, like, look how quick that happens. What was it, November? Yeah. Like, it's insane how quickly he's coming back and. His mentality seems he doesn't seem to be, you know, like when you can be psychologically affected by yeah. a bad injury, just doesn't seem that way. And I don't know, I feel I don't feel they're putting pressure on him, though. Ancelotti said he would like him to be available mm. for the weekend, but maybe not starting. But I'm made up about it just because, all right, like Schneider and that have, like, you know, picked it up a bit, but still, he's the one we, yeah. well, he was the big sign in the summer that we were all buzzing about, and then it was so short lived. We got like two months. Of that joy, basically. <laughs> so I'm I'm made up, and it doesn't seem like there's a big massive pressure on him to come back at all. But the fact that he's plays a full game, with, oh right, on 23s. But it said as well there was some first team players in it, yeah. And medical staff have had no like queries with him at all. Just what a player, and like it shows his level of fitness and everything, doesn't it? Yeah, I suppose that the mentality thing is going to be something hard for him to get over as well. But just sort of looking a bit further down the line, Dave, where the, the way Everton have been playing under Angelotti and where under Ferguson, you know, four four two. The midfield gets a, a little bit overrun at times. Obviously, we've seen a lot of lads in there struggle. Do you think that the system we're playing at the moment and the way Everton are playing suits Andre Gomez? And you know, thinking about Andre Gomez at his best, I think it'll suit him to a T because he'd be the most mobile of our midfielders by quite some margin. And I, I, I look at this side, and that's what it really lacks. I, I go back to the West Ham game, which we drew one all, mm. and I remember saying in the post match after that that. Had we had any semblance of a decent midfield in that game, we would have won that game quite comfortably against their duo of Declan Rice and Mark Noble. Mm. Uh, it was a it was a match of a lack of mobility, wasn't it? I don't know if we had Snyderlin or Sigurdsson in there. I think uh, Davis played, didn't he? And with one yeah. of them, he too. played with uh, Gomez and Sigurdsson. and uh, well, we played as number ten, didn't he? But he was in midfield next to him. Was it? Schneiderlin? It was Gomez and uh, Davis. The one all at West Ham. Oh, oh sorry, at West Ham. I thought yeah. you meant uh, the, the home game. No, no, uh, no. So that was Delft. And Sigurdsson wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a there's an issue with pace and physicality in there, isn't there? With all the players there, really you know, on their side as well. Had we had any little bit of ingenuity, we would have won that game, I believe. <laughs> Gomez is the missing key there in terms of a creative element from the midfield, which is still pretty sparse. I know Sigurdsson's whipped in a free kick and corner, maybe got a couple of assists, and Schneiderlin's done a decent job with his passing, particularly in the last game against Palace. But it feels like that added creativity in the midfield would be something that really benefits us, particularly against these big games. This Arsenal one comes a little bit too soon, in my opinion. Mm. I think we could see him back in the starting lineup, possibly that United game. Mm. Uh, if not, definitely Chelsea away. He'll come back in. And he's much needed. Look, we winged it a bit, haven't we? Let's be honest. Angelotti's done a phenomenal job. The actual points return we've got, though, some of those points have come from rel- relatively below par performances against below par teams doesn't not to do anybody a disservice there but if we really want to start earning our way into winning these games which you'll have to do against the bigger sides you won't get off the leash as much as you will against the palace um, then we need players like him in there who can compete with the best that they've got because midfield wise 
that's the elements and the area of the side that ultimately, as good as Schneiderlin was last couple of games and Sigurdsson and all that, that's the area we lack still, if we're honest with ourselves. So mm-hmm. to have him back for that, and it's a really crucial time to get him back as well. I can't think of a time where the stars have aligned like that for us because we normally get a crucial injury at this stage or we normally have a lot of players out. Mm-hmm. To get someone of his calibre back in for this pretty daunting run of fixtures is is a massive boost. Yeah, still got a few days to go before Sunday. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We'll see. But you, moving on to the game on, on Sunday, Hannah, it, it, it does feel huge all of a sudden. Obviously, as we mentioned there, Arsenal got the... You know, tenure under Mikel Arteta up and running a little bit with that win against Newcastle 4 0. But it, it did flatter them a little bit. Uh, they, they've been a bit hit and miss. But I think the, the thing for us is that we sort of go there now. And it, I can't remember the last time we went there and we had two players in Carvalho Luna Macharlison who provide a, a sort of twin threat going forward. It feels like whenever we've gone there in the past, it's always been, you know, on Lukaku's shoulders or somebody else's shoulders sort of produce something. But I think those two, the form they're in, and certainly how they play as a front two. Should give an Arsenal defence of likely David Luiz and Scott Jammer Staffy a load of issues. Definitely the form that they're both on, and I just hope that the break hasn't like you know stopped the momentum or anything. Yeah. But I think definitely they're a huge threat to go, and that's what they need. We need to go in the mentality that we are of the higher up the table than Arsenal, and we've got these players who are having a phenomenal season. Like what the both on what double digits now yeah, for goals, yeah. both doing incredible. So I think they should be seen as a big threat. But that's the thing we're going to go into this game, and I think even Arsenal would think, oh well, we're the bigger team. This should be an easier game. We are doing better on a race. So the game on the weekends that was their first good game under yeah. Arteta, and it was a very like average Newcastle side. We do look better than Newcastle and pose a much bigger threat. Mm. So it's not going. It can't it won't be a walk like that. It's just that away from home case of yeah. ours which comes into play but with the players that we're going into that game with and if Gomez is back we should be going in with that confidence and flair with a lot of players in the team not just the front two and Arsenal have got obviously on Thursday night Dave a trip to Olympiacos which is never a barrel lapse in the Europa League and you sort of get the sense that that's something Arteta will want to obviously we don't know the squad or the 11 for, for that side yet but you get the sense that's something he's going to want to take seriously and it'll be the first time he's ever had to deal with that Thursday, Sunday, changeover as a manager, you know, all the, you know, the, you know, the tribulations and tests that come with that. It could be a, a really testing spell for him as well, couldn't it, in the way he handles his side? Well, I think if he has any sense, I'm not just saying this because it'll benefit us, but he, he should prioritise that game because it's the only way to get into the Champions League. I don't think, they'll, I don't think they'll finish above us for the start, but I also don't think they're, they're anywhere near equipped enough to go and challenge Spurs. Looked at any, what, were they on 34 Spurs on 40? So the 60 yeah. behind Spurs, Six behind Spurs, seven behind Chelsea. That's not insurmountable, but I just don't, I don't get the feeling that they're capable of doing that. I think they're so soft, and I've such a soft underbelly this Arsenal side that if you go and try and rough them up a little bit with the added quality we've got with Richarlison, uh, who's the talisman for every game we yeah. seem to have lately, you you are able to do serious damage to them. I even remember last season. Uh, was it last season when we went down there? Got beat two yeah, nil, and there's one offside goal. One offside when John Joe Kenny was playing. Lacazette. We battered them mm. in elements of that game. First half, yeah. Carvalho Lewin, I think, missed a sitter. Um, there's, there's, there's so many ways you can get at this Arsenal side. Yes, they can be blisteringly good going forward. Um, you, you put, you know, it, it's a nailed on both teams to score. I think on, on your football coupon this weekend if you if you're having a little tipple on the game. Um, but I, we do got more than enough frailties for us to be confident in going there and getting the results. I'll be, I'll be really disappointed if we don't come away with at least a point against Arsenal. Mm. From from the 
front end of the pitch that you know the defence will come to you first on, on this one, Dave. Obviously, we said Michael Keane came back in for that that game against Palace. You sort of get get the sense to deal with with Ben Teke. Does Mason Holgate step back in for this one, given the, the pace of that Arsenal f- forward line? I think he does, but I also think, in my mind, Mason Holgate has, has been doing a lot in my head lately. <laughs> and, All right. And, and <laughs> one of those things is I'm starting to convince myself he'd be one hell of a defensive midfield player. Uh, I know that probably won't be in, in the manager's head, but I feel as if he's the type that could step out and do something for us in that area when you've got several number 10s who Arsenal can play. It's going to be Ertel probably who plays in that role. He's able to really harry them. Uh, he's quicker than a lot of them too. He's our only defender who's got out-and-out pace, genuine pace. He, he has to come back in. I don't think there's any way Keane survives uh, keeping his place in this game, even though I think he was fine in yeah. general against Palace, um, and which is reinvigorating for us because it's got we've got that option should we need him. Um, Mason Holgate has to play. Okay. Um, ask you for predictions then, Hannah. How do you think it's going to go? Score wise, yeah. you know, definitely think that definitely think both score, but I reckon I reckon we can get two one out of it. Dave? Honestly, I think this will be a defining performance and result <laughs> for us under Ancelotti. I'm going three one. No pressure, lads. Um, would you take it? Would you take well, there a draw? Be, there shouldn't be no. I'd, I'd rather, if someone said to me draw or see how it goes, I'd rather see how it goes. Agree massively. I'll take a draw. After December, then it was the most boring game yeah, in the world. Oh, one, that was the yeah. most boring game of the Walk season. Let's get one as well. Oh, Ooh. and cry. And he's fit. Yeah, of course, if he's fit, I suppose you oh, have game, Yeah, of course he is. Yeah, we'll find out later this week. But that would be a nice story, or it will be. Yeah. <laughs> you just know we'll be sitting there on. Is it Sunday? Yeah, we'll just be sitting there on Sunday afternoon, like. Just throw Gomez off at the last ten. <laughs> yeah. We need something give, positive give from this. Ten, uh, give him a run out with ten minutes with a three 0 down. Arsenal, big... Arsenal X Everton nil. <laughs> Fingers crossed. It's not that anyway. But uh, yeah, after the break, we'll hear uh, from James Bench. Tell us a little bit more about Arsenal, and we'll look very briefly at that season show as well. This is the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. Back to the next part of your podcast in a moment or two, but I just want to direct your attention to the Blue Room Extra, which is our subscription service for those of you who want a little bit more, well, a lot more from us in regards to content. It's patreon.com forward slash the Blue Room Extra. We have all sorts of different shows on there, very different lineup to what we had previously for 2020. There's plenty of new things on there, including series two of Diaries of an Old Lady, which gets you underway this summer. There's no obligation whatsoever. There's a back catalogue of tens of and hundreds of interviews that we've done with former players and legends, including that Diaries of an Old Lady Season 1, with the likes of Joe Royal, Graham Sharp, Kevin Sheedy, give us their greatest moments as we count down to Everton moving to Bramley Moor in a few years' time. Plenty of other shows coming up as well, brand new ones. We're adding more and more to the list as we go on. It's a really cheap price. It's around £3.99 a month. There's no obligation to sign up either. So you can try it for one month if you don't like it. Just cancel your subscription and we won't be charged any further by ourselves. So please check it out, patreon.com forward slash the Blue Room Extra. Now back to your podcast. It's the final part of the Blue Room here on Radio City Talk. And we are going to spend the final part of the show looking backwards and then looking forwards to the game against Arsenal on Sunday. Looking backwards first, it is a feature from our upcoming seasons show on the Blue Room Extra. And the first one, we're going to be looking at the 94-95 season where Everton last won a trophy, of course. It started off with the team being in relegation trouble, Joe Royal coming in and turning things around. 
and ultimately ending in glory for the Blues at Wembley against Manchester United. And the concept of this show is going to be myself and Gav Buckland joined by journalists, fans and ex-players and managers to look back at the most eventful seasons in Everton Football Club's history. I'd like to say on the upcoming show we're going to be speaking to the likes of Joe Royal and Matt Jackson, as well as Gav and Dave Prentice from Liverpool Echo, you can hear on this clip as well. And this is a segment where I asked Dave and Gav about Joe coming into the football club when Everton were in dire straits after eight points at the start of that campaign. And I started off by asking them, were they concerned that by coming in and taking over what was a team on its knees, were they concerned about Joe potentially spoiling his legacy at Everton Football Club? I was not concerned about him as an appointment, you know, because he was just the right man for the job. I was concerned with the mess he had to inherit. Mm. Um, but he turned it around so, so so quickly and quite simply, really. I mean, he watched Everson play a mini derby against um, the Liverpool Reserves mm. at Anfield, you know, where Everson won 4 0. And uh, he saw um, Joe Parkinson playing in the reserves. He saw John Ebrill, Andy Hinchcliffe there. So he just thought, right, let's get back to basics. Let's just strengthen the team and let's play to our strengths. You know, let's put Andy Hinchcliffe on the left because he can cross a ball. Um, you know, let's get balls into the box where Duncan Ferguson and Paul Rideout can attack them. So we did that. And, you know, ironically, you know, the derby match, what a game to turn things around. I think Liverpool were third at the time. We were rock bottom. And you talk about Portsmouth before, Gavin. I remember uh, being down in the hotel because Everton played Portsmouth on the Wednesday and then Southampton on the Saturday. So they stayed down. Yeah. And I stayed in the same hotel as them. And uh, I remember Duncan had no idea that I was a journalist at the time. Otherwise, he would have just blanked me. <laughs> <laughs> but I saw him in the um, in, in the bar afterwards and he got injured against Portsmouth. His, his ankle was the size of a football. So he sat there strapped in ice and uh, all the players having a couple of beers. And uh, I just went over to him and I just said... Do you think you'll hang around, Duncan? Do you think you'll stay, you know, so permanently? Ah, I wouldn't have thought so. Wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> uh, and I, just, I think at that time, he genuinely thought it yeah. was a loan. It was a three-month loan. Mm. But scoring that goal against Liverpool and the crowd reaction, the way the crowd took to him and the way, as Joe says, the play, you know, fans were hanging off his shoulders as he's walking off the pitch. I think he was a man in need of being wanted. And he just thought, wow, they love me here. You know, so wow, I'm wanted. And then, you know, he did the same against Leeds. He started on this run of, you know, sort of goal scoring. Yeah. And became a bit of a talismanic figure. He, uh, he did, wasn't he? I mean... You talk about the time getting going, as you say. Yeah, he signed yeah. it early October, not scored till the, the derby. The other, the, other, the other thing about, like, <laughs> example, how things not go well. Ian Gerrans, who, who came down with him, Ferguson, remember, they got the shirt name wrong, didn't Yeah, they misspelled <laughs> shirt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> spelled it with one R, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think there was the stack going into that derby that Robbie Fowler scored more goals that season than Everton had. Wow. That's how, that's how bad it was, you know. But it was, I mean, I think Joe perfectly... I thought suited because there wasn't a lot being offered. I think Ron Atkinson was being mentioned, and he was in like he had he'd just been given a vote of confidence mm. at Aston Villa, yeah. you know. Howard was mentioned again, and you're looking Peter Reid who was just starting then. Uh, I think he'd been sacked at City, I think Peter Reid. So you're looking at you're looking at the the other managers and thinking out of the out of their jobs, the the obvious choice, even though all them had, had gone down, and maybe he, he thought I don't know whether he thought it was, he'd missed the boat perhaps, but. Um, yeah, he was, Joe was undoubtedly the best appointment the club could have made at the time, you know. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting we spoke to Joe last summer for our Diaries of an Old Lady series that we're doing about Goodison Park and about his favourite games and, and one of them was that, that Liverpool game and he speaks about that spell of matches he had that time where you know he had Liverpool, Chelsea and Leeds in his first three games. He said after the Leeds game, he hadn't actually signed a contract with the football <laughs> club yet. Yeah, he said he, yeah. you know, he said he was very much he was told to get down to Goodison Park 
pushed into a press conference. He took the job, um, you know, without any sort of administrative stuff being done. And then after the Leeds game, he sort of said to Peter Johnson, probably should have a contract now, shouldn't I? <laughs> so, you know, it sort of, it sort of falls in line with what, what the, the club are like yeah. at the moment. Well, Peter Johnson wanted to give him the same money he was on that Oldham initially, didn't he? Well, and then yeah. thought, uh, you know, we'll have a, we'll have a rethink mm. about that. Mm. But yeah, I think, Penno, we didn't concede the goal, did we, for ages under Joe? Broke the yeah. club yeah. record yeah. seven successive games without conceding a goal. I mean, to be fair, the first two of them were under Mike Walker. Yeah. But then the last next five were under Joe. And, you know, from a team that had shipped goals, you know, mm. like a sieve, to yeah. you know, achieve that was an incredible turnaround. Bizarre, we then conceded four. I think it was. It always uh, happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's one of those rules of football. Yeah. When you go ages without conceding, <laughs> when you do, you can see yeah. about now. The player who started really playing now was Unsworth, wasn't he? Really came yeah, yeah. into his own, I think. Well, yeah, he finished last season. If one of the players of the season, yeah, uh, established himself as like a. Well, he played for England in the, the end of that season as well. You know, mm. central defence, and then ultimately became a fullback after that. He even played centre forward at one stage. Jerry Cole, <laughs> he, he got Walters a number, number nine, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think also the other player that you mentioned, we did mention there, was coming from the cold was Limpar, wasn't he? Yeah, because uh, I think he was in the reserves and. He, he was part of that sort of rarest of beast. I win at Chelsea, yeah, wasn't it? <laughs> so last time he won there, yeah. well, he yeah. crossed the ball for Rideout. It was, uh, you know, so he was just Joe describes him as the, you know, the best player he's ever played, but you know, ever managed a genius, he used to call him. And on his day, he could be uh, mercurial. I mean, it's funny actually because you know, again, I was so close to the players then, and they all had like nicknames for each other. And Anders's nickname was LS, uh, it stands for little, not Swede, but you know, yeah, so, yeah. So something that rounds a twit, yeah. but not because the players thought he was that. The players got on great with him, but because George Graham apparently used to refer to him as that, and they'd heard of that, and so they thought, right, he becomes LS, yeah. and so yeah, he could be you know, so an awkward individual to manage, I suppose. But Joe, you know, so initially I had a great time with him. They fell out, you know, so towards the end, I think, you know, Anders' commitment, you know, so Joe felt disappointed by on a couple of occasions. But certainly for that 18-month spell, he was tremendous, absolutely magnificent. Because I know he scored the cup final, but I was going to ask you the opinion on... He scored a couple final goal. He's sort of forgotten, isn't it? Poor Rideout. He was top scorer yeah. for us yeah. last season. He scored, he scored in Joe's first three games there, and there was wins over Liverpool, Chelsea, and, uh, and Leeds as well. Yeah, and he sort of, when they talk about number nine, he scored the winning goal for us in the cup final, top scorer that season. But he doesn't really get a mention, does he, Poor Rideout? It's funny, actually, yeah, because he, he flies under the radar as a kid. He was like he was going to be like a wonder wonder boy. He scored yeah. that incredible goal for England schoolboys against Scotland. I think it was you know hooked volley. And everyone thought, wow, who's he's like Wayne Rooney type, mm. you know, sort of player. Who's this going to be? And he never quite lived up to that potential. And uh, Everson were desperate for a, a more traditional centre forward. I mean, Howard had done his, his midget gems. You know, he'd had uh, was it Mo Johnston and Peter Beardsley. Mm. You know, sort of forward line that you know, did okay, but you know, I think we needed somebody that was a bit more dominant. You know, aerially, and uh, the club was basically struggling financially at the time. So I think he's only 500 grand poor Rideout. Mm. So he came in initially as a traditional centre-forward and the fans were a little bit underwhelmed because he wasn't a traditional centre-forward. He was a technically very good footballer. Mm. If you remember, in one of his last games, he played centre-midfield against Tottenham and ran the show. Mm. Uh, 1-1-0, Gary Speed scored. And he, he was a very, very good footballer. And he scored so many goals last season, but important. He scored the goal that kept us up away at Ipswich. Mm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, probably doesn't get spoken of as often as he should do, really. You know, yeah. So give him what he achieved for the so club. Even his cup final goal, it's like, oh, we, you know, you tapped in. Should have been great. Yeah, yeah. 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 against the bar. Yeah. Well, that just shows you. That was the um, talk about it later, probably. But that was it. That was it. Was a difficult. It's difficult, but to get pace on that, place yeah. it from a, like a stand yeah. and star from, I bore that's really. 
you know, travelling very slowly. It was a technically it was a great it was a great header. And I just think of Saints who scored the winning cup goal in the cup final last time he won a trophy, but you never get spoken about so I find that really odd. Great stuff from the lads there, as I'm sure you will agree. Like I said, that will be available over on Patreon on our Blue Room Extra service soon. Also available on our Blue Room Extra service is this weekend preview with James Bench from Football.London. Looking ahead to the game against Arsenal. And James was telling me that Mikel Arteta has done a pretty good job at the Emirates Stadium so far. It's really huge for Arsenal just in terms of building that momentum. And as you say, I mean, I think what we're talking on Tuesday... Uh, after Chelsea dropping those points as well, it just feels like there's a proper race on for fourth and who knows what's going on for Man City. Maybe fifth will be enough anyway. Um, so, I mean, it's really exciting times, I think, obviously for Arsenal, a big week, a big win at the weekend, a good start after their um, winter break. And I think if you were to then beat Everton at home, you know, you kind of really feel like there's momentum on your side and, and fourth is, is actually gettable. Hmm. Do you feel as though that's... It feels as though that's sort of been the case at Arsenal over the last few weeks. Obviously, the results haven't always gone for, for Mikel Arteta early on. There's been some good performances and some draws, some games they've, they've won, which they haven't necessarily played that well in. But it feels as though he's starting to get things gradually right. And, and it felt as though in that Newcastle game, and certainly towards the end of that game, the, the things he may have been working on the training pitch, the things he's been trying to implement were starting to come to fruition a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I'd agree with all that. I think you could you could see something being built and it was trying to build things with, with solid foundations. So, I mean, obviously the big issues we all know with Arsenal has been that defence. And if you look at it now, they've kept more clean sheets under Arteta in the league than they did um, in all the games before him. And there's, you know, there's, there's real signs of progress at, at the back. And then this weekend against Newcastle, you kind of saw that, that clicking further upfield. Now I kind of think Newcastle are a pretty average team at best. Um, and Everton, I'm sure will give, give Arsenal a lot more difficulty. Um, but like, you know, if you get that front three working, Lacazette scoring again, mm. Pepe played really well. I mean that's such such a powerful front line to work with, and I think those two weeks off, you could see sort of ideas coming together with Arteta. And I mean, you know, he is a fantastic manager, um, and I think Arsenal have, have really found a gem there. If it feels, you know, you say that he's a fantastic manager, and I imagine, you know, people who be listening to this from you know, from an Evertonian perspective and haven't seen much of Arsenal will will sort of you know sit up in the seats and, and you sort of say what what. What can he have possibly done so far to give you that impression? What's what's impressed you that much about him so far to make you think that he is in that sort of bracket? The big thing is is instilling a sort of culture and an attitude and, and accountability and doing that whilst not frustrating and infuriating the players. I mean, we've had an incident this week um, with Matteo Guendouzi, who's you know a really promising young player, and um, but he's sometimes a bit of a difficult uh, character to manage. And uh, I mean, Arteta dropped him from the squad and said, if you don't train harder, um, you won't be playing. Uh, he actually was already done the same thing as well with Danny Ceballos. And then you saw him coming at the weekend and he was one of his best performances um, of the season. So I think, you know, there's that sense that there's just, you know, the standards that were kind of allowed to slip, at least partly after Arteta actually, you know, left the club as a player. You know, there's someone there now instilling them and, and sort of making clear that if you're an Arsenal player, there's going to be certain things demanded of you. It's been a very long time since Arsenal have had that. And, um, I mean, you couple that with some, some impressive work on the pitch. I mean, he seems like he's really worked out how to make the most of a Bamiyang wide on the left. And you just think, actually, it's a really good team. Uh, or it could be the makings of a really good team at the very least. I think one of the things we spoke about before the game in, in December was 
how he's going to cope with going from being obviously a number two and not just going from being a number two to a manager, but from going from being a number two into one of the most high profile jobs in, in the world. And whenever I've seen his press conferences, whenever I've seen his, his pre-match interviews, his post-match interviews, he, he never seems as though he's he's overawed by the situation. It, it feels as though he is totally at ease with being the Arsenal manager. And I'm sure you've been in some of his, his press briefings and that so far. Do you get that sense from him as well, that he's just quite relaxed about the whole thing? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's spot on. And from from day one, that was the case. You know, I mean, I remember him coming out to that introductory press conference and pretty much on his own. Obviously, the club press officer with him. But you know, often at these, you might have uh, you know the director of football or you know the chief executive be sat alongside. But Arteta was there on his own, standing up, taking responsibility, and uh, you know, setting the agenda and making clear that he is the the person that will define this culture shift at Arsenal. And I think you know you hear that as well for the players. You talk to the players. I mean, obviously, there never no one's going to sort of publicly criticise Arteta at the moment, but they don't have a bad word to say about mm. him. And I think they're now quite open and sort of saying the atmosphere wasn't right under Unai Emery. Um, but I mean, here with Arteta, they're they're absolutely glowing. They they enjoy the work, but then you can see on the pitch and you hear off the pitch he's working them really hard. Mm. It, it feels as though one of the other things that he's sort of done to. And so favour with the supporters is it feels as though he wants to give those four lads who all scored the weekend a chance to form a you know a quartet to the top end of the pitch. You know, Pepe's obviously had his issues this season. You mentioned Lacazette there. Aubameyang's been good again. Erzo's been in and out, but it feels as though he he's desperate to give all those lads the opportunity to to really show what they can do and show what they're about. And maybe at times, maybe not Aubameyang, but the other three have maybe been. Had the wings clipped a little bit earlier in the season by Emery's tactics and how he wanted to wanted to do things, and it feels as though they've all got a lot more freedom when they step out onto the pitch now. Yeah, absolutely. I think particularly Özil. Özil's the one that you can see that real change in it. I think partly it's about making sure that you know he's getting the service behind him, whether that's Xhaka or Ceballos, but also it is just sort of saying to these you know players on an individual level, I trust you, I value you, and and I think you can achieve an awful lot. And, you know, it was really clear that Emery, both, both sort of publicly and privately, made clear to Ozil that he didn't really want him around. I mean, you see now, since Emery's left, that he's saying quite often, I didn't really want to sign Pepe. He wasn't the player I wanted. I wanted Zaha. Um, Lacazette, a bit of a different case. Uh, and actually, what's been quite interesting with, with Lacazette is that, that Emery was willing to drop him. Uh, he was willing to drop him on, on Sunday against Newcastle. Mm. But... Then you know when he when he brought him back in, uh, he you know Lacazette scored that goal and um, Arteta was glowing about him. He was talking about how he's got the the biggest balls in all the squad or something like that. Mm. Um, so it, it's that it's a sort of carrot and stick that I think is working really well, um, really really well. Arsenal, I think there's been too much carrot and not enough stick over the years. Yeah, like I said, that is over on Blue Room Extra on Patreon. If you want to hear more from us, there's twenty hours. Content a week in addition to the free stuff we put out there. It costs roughly three ninety nine a month. And we pretty much have a show out every weekday. Uh, we certainly got one every weekday in the build-up to this game against Arsenal at the weekend. So do go over there if you want to hear more from us. That's the end of this week's show here on Radio City Talk. Thanks very much to Dave and Hannah for joining me in the studio earlier on. Thanks very much to Dave Prentice, Gav Buckland and James Benj as well. We'll be back again at the same time next week here on Radio City Talk. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. 
Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.